sometimes we do something really stupid and we just say it was a step of faith. It's like we try to blame God for some of our bad ideas. Do you do this? Sometimes I do this where I do something dumb that God didn't tell me to do. And I was like, well, I took a step of faith. I took a risk. And somehow I'm hoping that people won't call me out on my stupidity by blaming my behavior on God's direction, even though he didn't actually tell me to do anything. I think if we're honest, a lot of us mistake the voice of God for our ego and our emotions. What we're feeling, what we hope to happen, being in the limelight, being in the spotlight, we start to think that that's the voice of God telling us to do things or try things or step out. And it's not really a step of faith. It's really a step of foolishness. When the devil was tempting Jesus, he takes Jesus up to the top of the temple and he says, hey, jump off of this. You know God will catch you. And I think sometimes the devil tells us the same thing. He says, jump, God will catch you. And he tries to convince us to do some stupid things in the name of faith. But Jesus responds to the devil like this. He says, you should not test the faithfulness of your God by a step of faith. Essentially, what Jesus is saying is don't put God to the test. If God calls you to a step of faith, jump. But if he doesn't call you, you're trying to test his faithfulness instead of actually taking a step of faith. D.L. Moody said, if God told me to jump out of a window, I would. Well, if God tells you to jump out of a window, it's faith. But if no one tells you to do it, if God doesn't tell you to do it, it's foolishness. I think that's the best way to distinguish the two. If God tells you to do something that looks foolish, it's faith. In fact, I think faith many times is a willingness to look foolish in the eyes of other people. But if your emotions or your ego tell you to do something, it's foolishness. It's not faith. In Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22, it says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. This is Jesus. He just got done teaching. Now he's talking to people. He's answering questions. He's following up afterwards. If you've ever had a family member stay after church and they just keep talking when you want to leave and go to lunch, that's kind of what's going on here. And so finally, Jesus tells his, his disciples, just go on ahead. You don't want to stick around and talk to people. I want to stick around and have some conversations and uh, talk to people as they leave. And after dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. And Jesus came towards them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's really you, Peter answered, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And walking out of the boat, climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. And so from this you know, iconic story of Peter walking on the water. 
I want to pull out some points about what it is to take a step of faith versus a step of foolishness. Because if God tells you to get out of a boat, you should get out of the boat in a stormy sea. But if God doesn't, it's really foolish to jump out of a boat in a stormy sea. You're probably going to drown rather than walking on water. The first thing, though, that I note in this story is that steps of faith are surrounded by fear. You see here that the disciples were afraid in the storm. They were afraid when they saw Jesus. They thought he was a ghost. It, the whole story is permeated with fear. Peter begins to sink because he is afraid. And I believe that steps of faith are always scary, but they're not showy. And I think a step of foolishness foolishness is going to be showy, but not scary. But a step of faith is always going to be terrifying because it's going to ask you to believe in something that you can't see. It's going to ask you to do something that you don't have the skills, you don't have the resources, you don't have the talent to pull off. Every step of faith is going to ask you to believe that there is an invisible God who's going to do what you can't do. I believe that many times our steps of faith are too small because our steps of faith don't scare us. And if your step of faith doesn't scare you, it doesn't require faith. And if it doesn't require faith, it doesn't require God. And I think many times God is disappointed with what we call a step of faith because it really didn't require him at all. We could do it with our resources, with our abilities, with our talents. If your step of faith doesn't require God at all, if it doesn't require any faith, it's probably foolish and not faith. But steps of faith always involve fear. I remember when I was struggling about, should I start a church in the Northeast? And I pretty much knew at this point that God was telling me to, but I was trying any way I could to get out of it because it seemed too scary, too big, too terrifying. And I was like, I can't do it. But that's the whole point of a step of faith. You never can do it. So I went to this conference and I was talking to different church planters from around the country. And I met this church planter from San Francisco named Ben Pilgrim. And this is what he said to me. He said, what would you do if you had no fear? And I knew immediately in my heart, in my soul, and I said it out loud. I said, I would start a church in the Northeast. And he says, that is your step of faith. See, many times what we're most afraid of may be what God is calling us into, where he's guiding us to. It may be on the other side of fear that our destiny lies. And so when Ben said this, I immediately began to talk about all the ways why planting in the Northeast was not a good idea. I mean, church plants have a lower success rate in the Northeast than any other part of the country. They take longer to reach sustainability. I went through everything and he said, yes, but what would you do if you had no fear? And I knew that that was my step of faith, that on the other side of that fear lay exactly what God had purposed me to do. And next, we see that one of the, I think, key distinctives of a step of faith is you will hear God tell you that you need to go. And now I'm not saying that you hear this audible voice and it just says, Alex, you should start a church. But I think that God will communicate with you and tell you when you should do something. This should be something that you can look back on and say, hey, I feel like because of this, God is directing me to do this. Jumping out of a boat in a stormy sea is idiotic unless God tells you to. If God tells you to jump out of a boat in a stormy sea, then staying in the boat is idiotic. 
And I think sometimes, rather than taking our steps of faith when God clearly has called us, we begin to look for reasons not to do it. Just like I did when I was church planning. I was trying to find a reason not to do it. I was like, well, God didn't write up in the sky in cloud letters I should go. You know, God didn't speak in this booming voice. God didn't send me a letter and sign it Jesus and say, this is what you need to do. And I began reading some of these stories of these people who maybe encountered somebody who was like, I wish someone would start a church in this community. And I was like, I didn't have that, you know, so maybe God's not calling me because it didn't happen exactly like this person. I think sometimes rather than stepping into our step of faith, we're like, well, God needs to clarify it. And I need to be 100% sure that he's calling me to this. You're never going to be 100% sure about any step of faith, because if you were, it wouldn't require faith. Every step of faith will have some ambiguity in it. But here's some of the ways that I think God calls us, God speaks to us, God tells us what he wants us to do, what he wants our step of faith to be. First of all, I think scripture. I think that sometimes as I'm reading scripture, God just reaches off the page and it's like he grabs me and he says, this is for you. This is what I want you to do. I remember when I was praying about planting a church in Philadelphia and I was reading through the book of Zechariah. It's this Old Testament minor prophet that doesn't get read a lot, not very well known. And there's a verse in there where God says, these people have brought peace to my spirit in the North Country. Now this passage was written thousands of years ago and has nothing to do with Philadelphia. But when I read it, it was like God reached up and he says, I want you to bring peace to hurting souls in Philadelphia in the North country. I was living down in Tennessee and I was like, oh man, it was just so clear. This is what God wanted me to do using this verse that he had written thousands of years earlier. Sometimes I think opportunities reveal to us what God wants us to do, what he wants our step of faith to be. Sometimes you're adjacent to an opportunity that you've never considered and all of a sudden it opens your eyes to something that you never thought possible or you never thought about even doing. God just opens these opportunities and you say, okay, I'll go. But I need to caution you here because sometimes we clearly hear God call us and then some doors seem to shut and we're like, maybe I heard wrong, maybe I'll quit. Remember, every step of faith has obstacles to overcome. And sometimes we need to push back on some of those doors and find an open window to crawl through or push some of those boulders back. But sometimes you're just going through life and unexpectedly an opportunity opens up and that can be God directing you. Sometimes people tell us what our step of faith is or help push us towards our step of faith. God uses them to speak into our life, like Ben Pilgrim did with me um, when I met him. Sometimes God uses pain to reveal our step of faith. C.S. Lewis said that God whispers in our pleasures, but he shouts in our pain. And sometimes God uses pain to get us to a place where we're willing to take a step of faith we never would have considered if we didn't hurt in the first place. Sometimes pain is the catalyst for us to consider the step of faith that he's always wanted to get us to. And sometimes we find our purpose on the other side of pain because pain has made clear the direction that he wants us to go. And I believe that God has put passions in the the heart of all of us and those passions are for a deep need in our world and those passions are going to reveal our step of faith and how God wants us to impact the needs of other people and sometimes God just uses promptings like I believe that sometimes God just gives this 
deep sense to my spirit, to my soul, to my heart, where I'm like, I need to speak to that person. I need to encourage this person. I need to go here. I need to take this way. I need to walk down a different direction than I normally do. I, I think the, the Bible makes it very clear that the Holy Spirit guides and empowers and directs and gives you words. And, and I don't think that there's accidental conversations or accidental meetings or coincidences. I think God is orchestrating a grand, beautiful tapestry, and we play a small part in that. And I think that those kind of promptings can position you to take a step of faith. That can be how God calls you to take a step of faith. And finally, I think God uses unexpected things in our lives. If your schedule, we're very scheduled people, you know, we have our whole lives planned out. If your schedule is interrupted, I consider that a divine interruption. You know, when you're stuck in traffic that you didn't expect or when your schedule suddenly changes, don't get angry. Get excited because God is about to intervene into your life and perhaps call you to a step of faith. I remember when I was praying about whether or not I should go to India and um, it was an expensive trip, but it ended up being a trip that changed my spiritual tra trajectory of my life. And I was praying about just the cost of it and the distance and the time and everything. And I was pumping gas in Chattanooga, Tennessee, putting gasoline in my car. And I looked down as I'm praying about whether or not I should go to India. And there was a foreign coin laying down on the ground. So I picked it up. I was like, I'm poor. I'll take all the money I can get, even if it is a foreign coin. You know, like I'll find somebody who can uh, trade it in for American money. And so I went home and looked it up and it was an Indian rupee. Now, there's not a huge Indian population in Chattanooga, Tennessee. What an unexpected moment that while I was praying about whether or not I should go to India, I found an Indian coin at the gas station. What a, what a random event, unless God was using it as a directing point in my life. And so I think that God calls us through all of these means. And I think the better we are at knowing Jesus, the better we will be at identifying his voice when he says, come, jump out and walk on the waves with me. In John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep know the voice of the shepherd. They listen to me and they follow me. I think the better we know Jesus, the better we will listen to his voice, the better we will identify his voice and be able to tell the difference between his voice and the voice of our ego, our emotions, or just someone out here telling us random nonsense. The more you get to know Jesus, the more you follow him, the more you become a student of the way that he lived and loved, the more you'll begin to identify like, oh, that's Jesus. This is Jesus directing me. This is something that Jesus would do. This is something that Jesus would want. I can clearly see where he's guiding me here. Because the more you get to know him, the more you begin to see how he acts and how he treats people and what he calls us to. My wife and I have been watching the NBC sitcom community. We've been... Um, streaming it through one of our online services. And I know it's been off for a long time, but we're finally catching up late to the party. And we've been enjoying it, but we found in this last season, in season six, we were like, man, the jokes aren't landing. These characters aren't funny. Like they're not acting like themselves. They don't sound like themselves. They're saying and doing things that they would never do. And so we went and looked it up and it's different writers this season. Like we've spent five seasons of a TV show with these characters so we know them so well that we can recognize when their voice, when their motivations change. I think some of us know characters on television better than we know Jesus. The better we get to know Jesus, the more we'll recognize his voice and we can tell when he's calling us to something or when we're confusing his voice for our own or for someone else's. 
And finally, I believe that a step of faith, as we see in verse 33, a step of faith always leads to good for other people and glory for Jesus. If your step of faith leads to good for you and glory for you, it's not a step of faith, it's a step of foolishness. Because God always calls us to things that help other people and ultimately glorify Jesus. This step of faith that Peter took, not only did it alleviate the fears of the disciples and ultimately lead, leading them to be safe from the storm, it also built their faith about who Jesus was. And they end this whole passage by saying, you are Jesus. You are the son of God. You are God in human form on this planet. Your step of faith should build people's faith, should help them with their fears, and should ultimately glorify Jesus. If it doesn't, it may be a step of foolishness and not a step of faith. See, I believe that each of us are put here to accomplish steps of faith that no one else could or should. I believe not all of you are called to plant a church in Philadelphia like I am, but I think you are called to do something unique, something that I may not be called to and the person next to you may not be called to, but it's something that will change the world. And I think as God calls you to take a step of faith, what he's doing is inviting you to live the life that he created you to live. See, we reach our purpose, we reach our destiny by taking steps of faith. Steps of faith, yes, change the world, help people and glorify Jesus, but they help you get to where God created you to be and get. We will find who we're made to be when we chase steps of faith, when we listen to the voice of God saying, come, jump on these waves, dance in the wind with me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the challenge to take steps of faith. And God, I pray that we will be people eager to take steps of faith. But Lord, I pray that you will give us wisdom that we don't take steps of foolishness, that we don't try to do things just to be showy, Lord, but instead we seek to hear your voice and hear where you're leading and guiding and directing. Lord, help us to know you so well that we know when you're saying come and when you're saying stay in the boat. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.